Okay, good evening, everyone. About um, time to begin. We will um, be starting with Pasha's Truma, which is on page 444 in your stone Chumash, if you have one. Uh, what I'd like to do this evening is to uh, ask a, maybe uh, one basic question of Pasha's Truma, and then this Shabbos, as we know, is um, also Pasha Zohar, which we have a special reading, Shabbos before Purim, about remembering the Amalek. So I'd like to talk a little bit about uh, Pasha Zohar as well, and maybe I'll throw in a little bit about Purim. So let's first begin Pasha's Truma, page 444. So Pasha's Truma is actually the beginning of a series of Parshias that take a, takes us all the way to the rest of Sefer Shemais that talks about the Mishkan, about the sanctuary, the tabernacle, or some sometimes it's called whatever that whatever that means. Um, and um, the we have the, we'll just read maybe just the beginning of the Pasha just to get this, the start of it. it. Says Hashem Hashem said to Moshe, saying Daber al Bnei Yisrael. The Yikhu Li Teruma, speak to the children of Israel and let them take from me a portion. That's donations. May Eskalation show you Advanoliba Tikwas Trumasi. From every man whose heart motivates him, you shall take my portion. And then it, then it lists, it was also Trumash, it's Tikhomitum. This is the portion, it's the Zal, the Chesim, the Choshes, um, all sorts of um, expensive. Um, uh, precious or semi-precious uh, materials, gold, silver, copper, turquoise, purple, scarlet wool, linen and goat hair, etc., etc. Foam stones, stones for the settings. And then finally, uh, the Pasuk says, what's the purpose of all of this? It says in the bottom, bottom of 444, Pasuk, um, Pasuk Ches 25.8, it says, V'asuli mikdash they shall make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. The purpose was to make a mikdash, a sanctuary. What's a mikdash? What exactly is a sanctuary? Mikdash, it comes from the word kedusha, which um, is translated often as sanctity or holiness. Rashi here it says a mikdash he, he, uh, he says, a mikdash is a base kedusha. It's a house of holiness, a house of sanctity. So I think there's a, a very, um, just a fundamental question here exactly is, what exactly is this mikdash? What is a mikdash? What's the definition of a house of kedusha, a house of sanctity? What is it for? It seems to be such a central... Um, essential factor in the in the um, in the in the setup of of the Jewish people in the that it's it's given so much space here in the Torah. Uh, possibly, I don't know. I don't know. I didn't do a study about this, but perhaps it's even given more space. One single concept is given more space in the Torah. In the in, at least in the Chumash, than perhaps anything else, 
this idea of the Mishkan with so many details and repeated in so many different ways. Obviously, this is a really important um, bias, home building, whatever it is that's, uh, that's being built. It has an extremely central function and, uh, and its function is described as mikdash, as it being a house of sanctity, a sanctuary. Um, but, I, but I think that um, often we fail to appreciate exactly what the purpose, maybe we have some idea, obviously, some sometimes a too vague idea as to what the purpose of the mikdash of the Mishkan um, was. And the, the base of Mikdash that we had afterwards takes that place. And uh, the, the, uh, perhaps the shuls and play, but the measures we have today are taking that place to some extent. So let's try to understand what is it, what is a Mikdash and why is it so important? Let's try to get, a, get an appreciation of that a little bit tonight. That's issue or question number one. Then I want to turn, now I want to turn to the reading of Parsha Zohar, which we're going to read this Shabbos as well. And if you have the Chumash, it's on page 1066. And I'll just read the first Pasuk or two here. Zohar Eisasher also lecha molek. It's in Deuteronomy in Devarim 25.17. Remember what Amalek did to you. On the way when you were leaving Egypt. Where they translate this, translate this, we'll soon see the following Rashi that he happened upon you on the way. And he struck those of you who were hindmost. When you were faint and exhausted, and he did not fear God. So there's a mitzvah here to remember what it is that Amalek did to us, that Amalek attacked us when we were on the way um, shortly after we left, left Egypt. And then, as we know, the passage continues, and it says the, it says that there's a mitzvah that we're commanded to wipe out the memory of Amalek from under the heaven. So, obviously, this if we if someone thinks a little bit about this, it's difficult to understand what was so terrible that Amalek did. Um, I don't even think if we look at if we look at the psukim. Where it describes the war with Amalek at, at the end of the Pashas Pashas Vashalak, which is the reading that we read on Purim, on Purim, it doesn't even say anything about, at least clearly, about there being terrible casualties among the Jewish people. Um, it says that Amalek, that Amalek um, waged war, and sometimes, and the war was uh, sometimes Amalek was stronger, sometimes Israel was stronger. Doesn't say that there were that there were that there were people people killed. It's unclear if anyone was actually killed from the Jewish people at all. Um, and and so, what would seem that we've had worse enemies than Amalek? What did they do already? Okay, so they attacked. They attacked when we were when we were um, 
uh, it was unprovoked and we were vulnerable because we were on the way and we were tired. It's true. But, but, but such a terrible thing such a, that, that, that we're, we have to remember this for all time. Every year we have a special mitzvah to, to, to come to shul or, to, or, or perhaps exactly what the mitzvah is is not 100% clear, but this is what we do. With the Jewish people have a mitzvah that we and which we fulfill by listening to the to a special Torah reading about about remembering what Amalek did and remembering that there's a mitzvah to destroy Amalek. And there's just the fact that there is a mitzvah to destroy Amalek. What is so terrible about about what Amalek did? So obviously, um, we have to really look very carefully in the psukim and analyze every word here because the Pasuk itself is, is really saying what we're supposed to be remembering about Amalek and presumably and that, that's why it was so bad. But what I want to talk about just tonight is really just two words, or one word really. The Pasuk says, Pasuk Yudches, Pasuk 18, it says, Asher Karcha Baderach. Asher Karcha, which again, Oddskull translates that he happened upon you on the way. Rashi says, the word karcha is lashon mikre. It comes from the word mikre. Mikre is happenstance or something like that. So they, that's why that's why Article translates it that he happened upon you on the way. This is like one of the first things that it tells us. Pretty much the first thing that it says. It says, "Remember what Amalek did on the road when he left, left Adam and Sarah." And then it says, "What was it that they did?" They happened upon you, Asher Karcha. Why is that significant? What does it mean altogether? They happened upon you. So, and perhaps it means that that it was, again, you know, it sounds like it almost sounds like that it was it was it was it was not a premeditated uh, act of war. I'm not sure, but if you just read it with what way it sounds, it seems like it's not that Amalek was planning to to um, to wage war with the Jewish people. They just happened upon you. And Amalek was, was uh, traveling through the Midbar and they happened upon the Jewish people and they decided to attack. Is that, is that what it is? I'm not sure. But if that's what it is, why is that important? You know, at least in, in, um, in uh, secular American law, um, I believe uh, premeditated, a premeditated crime is considered more severe than a, than a crime of... Uh, of uh, impulse, like premeditated murder, I think it's first degree murder. And then, if there's a, if it wasn't premeditated, it wasn't planned. It just person got uh, just got angry and and and, and uh, you know beat someone up and they died. That's not as not as quite it's not quite as stringent. At least that's what I heard years ago. I don't know if that's still true. Too true today. We have to ask the the lawyers. But certainly, it would seem that it's not necessarily saying such a terrible thing. The fact that I'm all like didn't plan this, but they just they just happened upon us on the way. If that if that's what it means, if that's not what it means, what does it mean? They happened upon you, they happened upon you on the way. What's what is the what idea is the is the Torah telling us with this? So um and and and, and one other thing uh, in relation to this I want to point out we may have mentioned this once in the past that this idea of karcha, of Amalek happening upon you, seems to be uh, both from here, but there's another support that this is something very central about Amalek and what Amalek stood for. This idea of karcha. 
because we find in the in Megillus Esther very interestingly that when Mordechai was sending a message to Esther regarding what, uh, to let Esther know about um, the uh, decree that Haman and Achashverosh had made against the Jewish people, Mordechai, you, you, it says that what it says in the Megillus Esther now is, uh, it says, if you want, you can look at it. It's on page 1256 in the, in the stone homage in the back by the Megillus Esther. It says, Vayaged lo pasuk zayin over there, pasuk seven. Vayaged lo Mordechai. Mordechai told him, Hasach, who was, who was um, sent by Esther to find out what was going on, Mordechai said to him, Eis kol asher karahu. Everything, all that had happened to him. Mordechai said, told him all that had happened to him. And our sages point out the word, why is the word karahu being used? Everything that happened to him? Because Mordechai told Esther that here is a resurgence of the Karahu man, the happenstance man. Who's that? Amalek. Amalek is rearing his ugly head once again. And how's Amalek described? As Karahu, the one who happens. How do we, so why is that so important? The fact that he just happens. So those are our questions for tonight. First question was on the parsha: What is the significance? It seems so important. The idea of the mishkan, the sanctuary, so much space is given to it in the Torah. It's called a mikdash, a place of sanctity, of holiness. What is the function of the mishkan, and why is it so important? That was one question I wanted to get to. And then the second question is: What I mean? The second question is that. Okay, Amalek, we have to remember Amalek for a time, for all time. Amalek is going to be totally destroyed and wiped out. And what's the reason? The first thing the Torah says about Amalek, he happened upon us. What's so bad about that? And Haman is back, I was on the scene, a descendant of Amalek. He's, he's the happening. He's the descendant of the one who happens upon us. What is that all about? Those are the questions. So in order to begin trying to address them tonight, I want to go back to something we we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. Um, when we were, a couple of weeks ago when we were learning Pashas Yisro, we spoke about the connection between Yisro and Amalek and how the Pasuk says that Yisro showed up, Yisro heard and he decided to come and show up right after he heard what, what happened with Amalek. So last time we, we um, explained it a certain way, but tonight I want to share with you something from the Medrash that says a, a different light on this connection between the Yisrael coming and Amalek. The Medrash brings uh, quotes of Pasuk and Mishle in Proverbs. The Pasuk says, Leitz hake upesi yarin. Leitz taka means you hit a leitz, a leitz. This is an important word here today for, for tonight. A leitz is someone who, who scoffs at things, a scoffer. 
Someone who makes light of, of everything. That's a late. Sometimes a late can be called a clown or you know, someone who makes jokes is sometimes called a late. But really, and there's maybe a, there's a place for jokes and a place for clowns actually. And, 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 and sometimes sometimes we need someone to make light of things. But the, uh, a late is actually so, uh, usually a, a, a ne- has a negative connotation who is someone who doesn't take things seriously or more than more than just doesn't take them seriously but he makes light of important and serious things that's a late we'll see we'll soon see more about that so it says so what the pasuk says late take you hit a late yarin and a pessy who a pessy is someone who's uh also not a complimentary word but a pessy is someone who's like a a simpleton a simple-minded person, yarin, and a simple person becomes smart. Lates take you hit the lights, you hit the scaffer, and the simple person becomes smart. Says the Medrash that this pasuk is referring, uh, at least uh, partially, referring to two people. The lates is a molek, and the pesi, the the scaffer is a molek, and the pesi, the simpleton, is Yisro. And what the Pasik is saying is, late taka, you hit the late. Amole got 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 hit. They, they got burnt. They got uh, they, they 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 took a, a um they took a hit, but did they get smarter? They didn't get any smarter. You know who got smarter? Someone who was not a late, maybe a simple-minded person, not so sophisticated, but uh but someone who's who's not a scoffer, who knows how to take things to heart, who knows how to take things seriously, and that's Yisro. And he's the one that got smart. So uh, what? So Yisro witnessed the lates, the scoffer Amalek being hit, and he's the one who learned the lesson from it. And from this, this Medrash is telling us something very important, that there's, there's a certain type of, there's a certain character trait, there's a certain, uh, a certain type of way of looking at the world that no matter how, no matter what happens, the, per, the person with that character trait is never going to learn his lesson, is never going to learn the lesson from anything. And that person is a late. A late is a scaffer, someone who laughs off everything who makes light of everything. He's, you try, uh, if, if someone tries to call his attention to the fact that he's, the, that, that he's barking up the wrong tree, that he's doing something wrong, that he may be getting himself into trouble, that person is, is in a mindset that, that no, uh, you know, I'm good. And everything is, is, is you know, it, it's all, it's in, in, in a kind of a perverse way, it's, it's all good, meaning that he, this person is not able to, to, to focus on anything as being some important enough to jar him out of the, the mindset that he's got himself into. There's a mixture of, I think there's a certain arrogance to it also. This is the way I see things. And I'm not going, and, and anybody who tries to tell me something different, I'm just going to knock them right off. I'm going to blow them away. That's a certain scoffer. He makes light of anything and everything besides what he, what that person himself, how that person himself looks at the world. 
And that's that's what Amalek was. Amalek was a late. The whole world was shook, was 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 was, was a, a shaking up of the entire world. But when the Jewish people left Egypt, and when there was a splitting of the sea, like we like like we describe in the Song of the Sea, that uh, that that everybody was 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 ha- sat up and t- and paid attention, at least somewhat, because because uh, you know something was going on, and they all. They all were looking at it. One second here, what's what's happening? Maybe, maybe there's something I, I need to know. There's something I need to see. I mean, immediately, like we spoke last time, they immediately they immediately uh, went back and forgot about it a minute later. But at least for a moment, they were shaken up, and therefore, the people who, who who are shaken up or are able to look at things and take them seriously, there's hope that maybe they'll learn the lesson. But for a Amalek, Amalek is hopeless. That's actually the words of Rabbi Yon in the Shai Tshuva. He says that that someone who is a scoffer, that he doesn't, he, he he's not able to hear any kind of of a, of, of a criticism or critique, no matter what you say, no matter how much you shake him up. That kind of a late, that kind of a person who always think who thinks he's always right, and the whole world, and anything that happens in the world, and anything is all insignificant. The only thing that's significant is his worldview, which is kind of a Malik's worldview. That person is hopeless. If as long as he has that, as long as he has that mindset, there's no way that anything's going to shake him up. And this was what a Malik was. This was the 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 defining characteristic of a Malik. That a Malik was late. He was a scoffer. There was nothing weighty in this world. He made light of everything. Now, the truth of the matter is that this philosophy, if we can say of Amalek, is diametrically opposed, is the exact opposite of the, of the, of the worldview of the Torah. And let me explain why, let me explain why, why it is that way. Um, we, we know that our sages tell us that this, this concept that everything that Hashem created in the world, Hashem created in order that lichavodo, he created it for his, we mentioned this, this in the past, but this is such a central idea. We have to keep on, keep on, uh, on trying to get, trying to access it. It's a very difficult idea, but a very central idea. Everything Hashem created in the world was lichvodo, was for his honor. And that doesn't mean it's for his honor, meaning that Hashem enjoys when people, uh, you know, uh, admire him, uh, as as people sometimes enjoy. It. Obviously, that would be that would be uh, lowering Hashem to a uh, to a to human emotions, and that's obviously obviously not what it means. But what what it really means is the following. And, I, and this was this was once brought out to me. I like to share with you this. I don't remember I would share this before. Many years ago, I had a correspondence with someone who uh, was a, a relative of mine, uh, 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 a relative of mine who unfortunately wasn't brought up in a, in a home where he was taught um, um, Torah values or Torah uh, ideas. And he wasn't, he wasn't taught about belief, even belief in God. And I, ha- I was having a discussion with him about belief in God, belief in Hashem. And it occurred to me in that discussion that there was the, 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 the entire, the way he was looking at the question and the way I was looking at the question was entirely different. 
instead of besides what the answer is, even what the question is was entirely different. I think he was looking at it, well, you look at the world and this, here's this world. And the world is, there's all sorts of things in the world and everything. And now there's a question, is there another resident, so to speak, of this world? Is there a God in this world? The world is for sure here. And the question is, is God also here? I think that's the way he was looking at the question. And most people who unfortunately don't have a belief in Hashem as part of their, as part of their uh, belief system um, necessarily would maybe look at the question that way. But I realized that really the question is much deeper than that. It's much more fundamental than that. It's not a question, there's a world and it's God in the world too. But the question is, what is the nature of this world? What is this world? And, the, and, and I think that there are two diametrically opposed ways of viewing what our world is altogether. And I would, I would like to say, and I think this is correct, that these two ways are represented by Amalek on one side and by the Jewish people on the other side. And the, the, Jew, the worldview of the Jewish people is the, the, the idea that this world is, like we say every time in Kedusha, the world is full of Hashem's kavod. Now, kavod, we translate honor, glory. The truth of the matter is that as some of you may have heard, but I think it's, I think it's absolutely correct that the word kavod is, is, is related grammatically to the word kaved. Kaved means heavy. Heavy. And what Melochal Haaretz Kavodo means is that the entire world is full, is, is, is heavy is the exact opposite of making light. Right? Heavy means that the world is full of, the, of Hashem. What does that mean? Hashem's heaviness. The world of Hashem's, it's full of Hashem's heaviness means that every single atom, every single iota, every single blade of grass, every single um, anything, every single thing in the universe is infinitely weighty and important. And, 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 and why, how do we know that it's infinitely weighty and important? Because an infinitely weighty and important God created it. So everything is in is is full as much as it as we possibly can fathom of importance and weight. And the world was created in order for us to discover that importance and weight. Because Hashem, as we know, the world. Uh, Hashem hid himself in the world. Hashem, uh, the, 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 even the world itself, the word world, Olam itself means hidden. So what Hashem did was he created a, a world that's full of the most important and meaningful and purposeful um, 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 of things that could possibly be because Hashem created them. But it's hiding under a facade under a, 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 a smoke screen that makes it look that it's like it's insignificant and there's nothing really important there. And we can get involved in things that, that emphasize those, 
the lack of importance of things, or we can use the world in a way that uncovers their infinite importance. And that's what our that's what the world is about, and that's what our, what our life is about, and that's what a Torah life is about. Ultimately, it's uncovering the the kavodo. It's uncovering the weightiness of every single thing in the world by using it in the way that Hashem has revealed to us in our Torah. That is the Torah view of the world. And Amalek's view on the world is the exact opposite. It's instead of the whole world being full of weightiness, of kavod, of kavod, the whole world is full of lightness. Of, and I think we can say randomness. I think we may have spoken about this last year. I don't remember. The world, the 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 Amalek stands for the fact that there is nothing weighty in this world. The Torah tells us there is nothing that's not infinitely weighty in this world, and Amalek says that there is nothing that has any real weight. Nothing is really important in this world, which is the exact opposite of 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 of, of the Torah. And that's what I think what Asher Karcha Badarach means. The, this word Karcha Mikra, this word happenstance, it, the connotation is randomness. Amalek, perhaps it means that Amalek didn't even plan this. He just randomly, so to speak, came across us. But that's what Amalek was all about. Amalek represents the philosophy that all is random. And therefore, the sea could split the templates can happen, the, the sky can open up, and, 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 and the, the, the glory and the weightiness of Hashem could be manifest to every single other individual in this world, except for Amalek. Because Amalek is stuck on his philosophy that there is nothing that's important enough to catch my attention, to jar, jar me away from my, from my view of the world as everything being random. That's what that's what Amalek is. And that's why, and that's why it, it, it's it, and that's what that's that's what Haman was about also. And um, I think we I'm, I don't remember if I mentioned in this venue last year that this is a I, I saw that somebody explained that along these lines, that's why the holiday is called Purim. Purim ha, is, is drawing lots. Uh, Amalek, Haman he drew lots to determine what, when to destroy the Jewish people. What's the, what's the significance of the lots? So the idea of lots, of poor, of a poor of lots is, it's basically the most random way of making the decision. You drew a, you drew a lots and there's nothing, there's no reason why it's this day, this day any more than that day. There's no rhyme or reason to it, it's random. And this is, the, and Haman chose to use lots because that is the the, um, the the embodiment of the way Haman looked at everything. Everything was random, and therefore the epitome of the expression of of, of, of a, making a decision based on randomness is a lottery. And that's why the, when the Jewish people were, were were victorious over Haman and victorious over Amalek, and victorious over the randomness, so we say that the. That that the that his lots were flipped over to us, meaning that that the exact opposite became became shown through the miracle of Purim, which is not that 
everything is random, but exactly the opposite. Nothing is random. Every single thing that happens in this world, every single thing that is in this world is under the guidance and under the influence of the infinitely non-random, the infinitely weight, weighty control of the creator of the universe. And that's, and, and that's why everything revolves around this idea of, of the goral, of the, of, the, um, of the lot, which is the randomness. And that's why Amalek is not going to have any, 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 any uh, can't last in the future. That's why we have to destroy Amalek. First of all, that's why we, we have to be so, we have to remember what Amalek did to us. I think part of it was also, we said, what was it that Amalek did that was so terrible? And the answer is that what Amalek did was there wasn't the fact that they attacked the Jewish people, maybe some people were wounded. That itself was not the point. I mean, according to this understanding, at least. The point is that Amalek, by what they did, they, they poisoned the, uh, the, the world of ideas. They injected the idea of randomness into this world. Nobody else was able, wanted to, like Rashi brings the famous marshal from the sages of this boiling hot uh, bathtub that nobody wanted to jump into. And then this, 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 this fellow goes and jumps in and even though he gets burnt, but he cools it off everyone else. So Rashi says that, well, that was Amalek because the, there was this boiling bath, meaning when the Jewish people left Egypt, the world had to take notice that there's something, the, 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 the Kvot Shemayim, the glory, the weightiness of Hashem was, was open for everyone to see and everyone was scared to touch the Jewish people. Everyone at least, at least were going to get out of their way because they realized that they represented the most important and weighty thing possible. And that's what everybody recognized. And then Amole came and they said, and they, they jumped into the boiling bathtub. What, what does that mean? The Amole came and said, what? Weighty, random, random, it doesn't make any sense, but it doesn't have to make sense. In their worldview, they, they just hold on to this concept of things not being important and randomness, and they, they, they poison the whole world's atmosphere. That's what it, it says that Hashem's kisei, Hashem's throne will not be complete. As long as Amalek is in this world, what's the idea? Hashem's throne won't be complete because Hashem's throne that represents the throne of glory, the Kisei Hakavod. That represents Hashem, the, the idea of everybody recognizing the infinite importance and weightiness of everything in this world as, as being a manifestation of the will of Hashem. And that is, as long as Amalek is still in this world, that there's going to be that that perception is not going to be complete because they poison the atmosphere in this world to the point that people cannot perceive in, in its completion the idea of the kavod, of the glory of Hashem, because there's always this little Amalek in the, in, the, in, the, in the background saying, random, random, random. You think it's important? No, random. And that's always in there. It's in the world, and it's also inside of ourselves. It poisoned ourselves. Amalek did that to us. And that's something that's unforgivable. It's un literally, it's literally unforgivable because it undermines the, the entire purpose of the of, of the Jewish of the of the world, really. The, the, the entire purpose of the world, which is to under uncover the 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 arts kavodo, to uncover the 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 um kavod of Hashem that fills the world. And that I think. 
getting back to the Pasha, I think that that's uh, really the one of the most basic ways of understanding the purpose of the Mishkan, the Mikdash. We want to know what's, what is a Mikdash? What is a sanctuary? So I think on the most, on, on a really, really very fundamental and basic level, but it's something which we really have to internalize. The idea of a Mishkan is to make this, this building with all of these, these uh, beautiful and glorious kinds of materials, the gold and the silver and the, the, the different colored wool and everything, and take that, take all of, all of that beauty and all of that glory and, and uh, harness it to be totally and completely a reflection of the, of the glory of Hashem. And to have a place that when you go into that place, the, the feeling that's, 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 that, that's elicited by the atmosphere and the environment, and, and it needs to have all of those beautiful and glorious physical things because we're physical human beings, and that's what a, that, that, that affects of our emotions. But when we go into that place, that's going to be a place that the feeling that, that overwhelms a person is the whole world is full of its glory. And the Mishkan, as the commentaries explain, is actually a microcosm of the world. Everything that's in the Mishkan, everything that's in the world is present is 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 represented in the Mishkan. So when and so when a person goes into the Mishkan and is able to perceive as it's like as if he's coming into this miniature world. And, and what is this world? This world is just about Hashem. And it's just about Hashem's plan for it. And, and, and everything that's in it, whether it's, whether it's the shulch on the table, which, which is bread, which represents the physical things and the wealth, wealth of things, or whether it's the, the uh, menorah that represents the, the wisdom that there is in this world and all these other, all the, all the other parts of the things, whether it's the animals that are brought on the Mizbech, but everything that's, that's in there, all of it is, is we, we, you can feel it's palpable, this idea that everything in this world is infinitely meaningful because it's a reflection of Hashem's plan and Hashem's wisdom and Hashem's vision for the world. And that's what the Mishkan is for and that's what it represents. And that's what the, the, uh, our, our, today we don't have a Mishkan, we don't have a Beis Amikdash, but that's really the purpose of our our batiknesius, about the midrashas, our shuls, and our places of, of of learning Torah, and they're they're places that we're are supposed to, and as much as much as we put into it, that's how much we get out of it. But it's supposed to be places that have th- that play that role for us in our lives, and that role is so central. We want to know why the Torah devotes so much space to it. It's simple. According to this, it's not a question at all. There's nothing that's more essential central and essential and fundamental and important to what the Torah is trying to teach us than this idea, than the idea of Malochal Oretz Kvodo, of the, of, every, of, every, of the whole world being full of the Kvod of Hashem. And, um, and that's what the Mishkan is for. And that's what all these parashas are about. And uh, so I think that kind of ties together the message of the parasha of the Mishkan and also the message of Amalek and why, we're, why, well, why we, we, we can't um, forgive the, 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 the ones who poisoned us with this idea that the world is somehow not so important because that's so diametrically opposed. And that's what the, the, the remembering of Amalek is about. And um, that's part of what we celebrate on Purim. But as a shame, maybe... Maybe next week we'll talk more about Purim still. We'll still have a little more, more time. So, um, 
everyone, thank you all very much and have okay. a wonderful Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you.